0: Oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me, uh... Welcome back to The Christ in Culture. This is Clint. And this is Gordon. And this is us. So, huh. here, <laughs> here we are, guys. Yeah. It's good to be back. Actually, I'm really glad that we're doing this late at night because a couple hours ago, there were, well, we have new neighbors upstairs. Let's leave it at okay. that. And they have two dogs, two young kids, and they play guitar and other musical instruments. So, I'm <laughs> pretty sure all three were happening at the same time earlier. There were children and dogs running around while they were playing guitar, and it sounded super loud. So, it's a good thing that's over. So, that's not coming through the mics. But, how are you doing? You just came from, from youth group, yeah? I did.
1: I just came from youth group. It was really good. We had like 13 kids show up, which I think might be a high for this, this semester so far. I mean, we've been peaked around like 11, but we had one kid who just went on his first retreat this past weekend because I saw the retreat this weekend, mm, which sounds awesome, by the way. It, well, it was awesome. Yeah, he was in my confirmation class. He was one of the, for lack of better words, because he's a great kid, uh, one of the troublemakers in that class. Okay. And after confirmation, we had like a mystagogia night. So like a week after talking about like, how do you feel? And, you know, just kind of like more prayer. And three kids, most of all the troublemakers signed up for the retreat that day because they weren't going to see me next week. And I reminded him. He signed up first, actually. His name's David. And then got his other hey, kids babe. to sign up, and he came to youth group today. Oh, that's awesome! So we told him about it Sunday after he left, and uh, he showed up. So,
0: dang, that's so cool! Yeah,
1: I think he really like experienced something great this
0: past weekend. That's beautiful. Yeah,
1: so I, I was just more excited. I'm just excited to see him every time he walks in. I'm like, yes.
0: Yeah. So, for any new listeners, just to clarify, so Gordon is a missionary with the Door Ministries. This is correct, and he's kind of in charge of the youth program for Shrine of the True Cross, yes. essentially, which is a parish that was essentially destroyed by Hurricane Harvey in, mm-hmm. in almost every sense of the word. <laughs> yeah. And so they're still, still recovering from that and trying to build up this youth ministry at the same time. So
1: Yeah, and it's been great. We uh, I think this year, I've seen a ton of fruits in my mission here, but I think this year, like 2019, it's just been... The most prevalent so far, yeah. So, I think that's been great.
0: That's awesome, yeah. And you guys started doing your praise and worship nights, or, or no, just worship nights.
1: Worship nights, Adore used to have like I think that's what they were called. A, a, worship a, nights, Adore worship nights at the Charismatic Center. Mm-hmm. We still have some like Northwest Houston Prince of Peace, yeah. I think, I think so. That sounds right. Is that where the reggaets are? Yes, okay. So, yeah. Prince of Peace, we still have some, but. The Only Charismatic Center fell down because the idea generally was like the community, our parish community, and then all the mission communities around Houston could like come together and like worship, but it just didn't, wasn't ideal. Mm-hmm. And so now we're trying to have a worship night in each of our missions to feed into the surrounding community. Gotcha. Uh, which probably was a better idea in the first place, but that's yeah. how you learn. Cool. Make mistakes.
0: Yeah, no, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a cool ministry. How are you? Good. It's been kind of a roller coaster since the last time I've been on, to be honest. The last couple of weeks have been super exciting. I don't know if I talked about it last time I was on here, but we... I've listened to that episode yet. Uh, well, anyways, I'll say it again, I guess. I, so I tried doing a lot of updates to my health regimen, I guess, is a uh. way to say it. So uh, I've been working on like, a stricter sleep schedule and healthier foods and trying to work out every day just to, I don't know, just be healthier and be more productive. So uh, even though I've been getting less sleep, I've been more energized every day, which has been really cool. Um, Yeah. And then this week kind of hit, and it's like, it's not a bad week. It's just not as high as the last couple weeks have been. So, yeah. It's just been kind of a a middle ground, I'd say. So, nothing bad, just just good stuff. Yeah. In, in general, so.
1: Can I, you believe in 2 weeks we'll be in Holy Week? Yeah.
0: It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was talking to Lizzie
1: today and I said that. And she's like, "Yeah, I know. I was kind of thinking today like Man, I need to take Lent more seriously. Like, oh no, not like I haven't. <laughs> she's like, you know, no, I'm not trying to call her out because she's like, I'm not not taking Lent seriously. Like, but it just it's right. felt like such a subtle Lent. You're mm-hmm. like, like I'm doing the things. I'm in this Lent, but then when like
0: Easter starts creeping up, you're like,
1: was I doing enough? Or like,
0: yeah, yeah, it's flown by. And to be honest, I was just talking with some of my adult volunteers the other day. I feel like this whole semester and this whole year have flown by because we only have. Three nights counting tomorrow left for our middle school program. Wow. Yeah. Really? Mm hmm. You guys in Uh I think we're actually one of the latest in the area. Hmm. So. I don't know. That's yeah. awesome. It's. I mean, that's not what I meant. You know what I meant? That's. Well, it's awesome, but it's not awesome <laughs> at the same t- it's, it's time. <laughs> it's a mixed emotion. thing. Yeah. That's. So, it's kind of cool because our last couple nights of the, the year. Are really big nights. And the very last one, we bring in all the families of the kids who are registered. That's cool. And so we have like this big family picnic kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like a chance for the middle school kids to like showcase Mm -hmm. what they learned. Mm -hmm. And turns out like they really like to show off to their parents what they learned. And then also it helps the whole families take what they have been talking about all year and bring it into their family in like a practical way. So that's really cool but also takes a lot of prep work yeah so that's kind of the big thing right now
1: yeah that's awesome
0: cool so what have you been taking in as far as media content i've been watching a lot of movies okay like a lot i also finished my first book of the year
1: what yeah uh, we'll mention that one because that's gonna be a future it's gonna be coming out. future okay. thing there's a reason i was reading it but gomer was right audiobooks are amazing so, but because I think you and Steve did the last two, so it's been a while since I've been on here, and we didn't really go over media last episode. But with the, that Catholic couple, that Catholic couple. <laughs> but in the past, like I don't know, three weeks, I, I saw Life of Brian with Lizzie, which is a Monty Python okay. yeah movie on Netflix. I think it's hilarious. She loved it. Uh, it just it's the life. Of a guy who was born the same day Jesus was born. So it's in that era. So they just make fun of yeah, a lot of religion. So if you don't like that stuff, don't watch it. But it is really funny. I watched Under the Skin, which is the woman that plays Black Widow.
0: Oh, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. Gosh, that took me uh, a second. She's an
1: alien who like lures guys into her house, which is like this liquid pool and like eats them. or I don't know what she does with them, but yeah.
0: So she's essentially like a mean version of Black Widow. Sure. Because that's what Black Widow does. She murders men and kills them. Yeah,
1: essentially, with less, much less speaking. Okay. And then I watched a really, really cool movie with the Seckfords. Danny and Nick Seckford, we had like a double date, and we watched, okay. it was called The Man Who Killed Hitler, and then The Bigfoot.
0: Were you talking about this one? Or was... Maybe Nick was. I, I feel was like probably I, Nick. I heard a little bit. But okay. Continue. Yeah.
1: So it's... Like the title is literally what the movie is about. It's about the man who killed Hitler. Like it's post-war. So in the war there was a rumor that he was the one that like killed Hitler. Mm-hmm. And so Bigfoot comes around. and He's he's diseased. So the disease is spreading essentially. And it's okay. a disease that's like they not contained. And so they want... Bigfoot to be, like, killed, essentially. So to hire this guy, who has a great record because he killed Hitler, because he's a great tracker, to track down and kill Bigfoot as well. Um, But it's not about, like, the killing of Hitler. It's not about the killing of Bigfoot. It's just about him. The man. And, like, his internal struggles and his life because of this and what he did have and what he could have had. And it's it's really well done. For those of you who are wondering,
0: it's uh, it's not a documentary. No. It's very much not true. No, no, no.
1: (laughs) It's totally just... A Gordon made-up fictional yeah. movie. Yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Check your history books. <laughs>
1: yeah. Bigfoot's real, but yeah, nobody clearly. killed Hitler.
0: Yeah. Hitler lived in Brazil. That is all. Can uh, I tell you about the... My brother and I actually started watching over Christmas break. It was like Hunting Hitler, I think is what it was called. i I tell you about that? It was like modern day? It's a documentary about like trying to track what really happened to Hitler and so and like his closest people and so they try and track this possible path based off of uh, eyewitness rumors and stuff like that it was it was interesting but I mean it's a conspiracy theory yeah so
1: no you didn't tell me about that no
0: well there you go three months late that's what I was watching in December also the
1: last thing is last week uh, I know you saw this too, but we both saw Unplanned. Yeah, which is the new pro-life movie. Yeah, about I her A- Abby name. Johnson. Abby Johnson, which yeah. I didn't even know who that was until this movie. Oh really? Yeah.
0: So she, you know, she's from here. Well, I guess you. Well, I knew this. that now. Yeah. <laughs> so she, I just found out this last year that her daughter, the one that's in the, the movie, or yeah, the, they talk about in the movie, mm-hmm. she actually goes to the Pines, which is where I used to work. Oh. So, during the summer, she goes to camp there. That's awesome. Yeah, it is really cool. So, yeah, awesome movie, unplanned. Uh, it is rated R, but I'm going to be honest. There was some stuff that made me, I don't know, kind of nauseous, but it wasn't because anything was shown that was super nauseous. It was more of like understanding what was happening.
1: Yeah, it's totally just an understanding.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I would say, even though it's rated R, and there is some gross stuff i don't think it's comparable to other rated r films that are are out right yeah now, so. i think
1: this is different than like a rated r movie where it's like it's rated r because it's like i, I was going to say about this film it's rated r because it's showing stuff that ac- is actually happening and it's true But so can some other rated r movies but other rated r movies where it's like well i'm showing like this nude scene because that's really what happens where it's like okay but yeah still maybe not necessary
0: so all this to say, like, I have heard of families that went, I mean, obviously don't bring your small children, but, uh, I don't know if you're a parent, you can use your, your judgment. Yeah. So yeah. What about you? Well, that's unplanned. That was actually the top of my list. So, all right. uh, I, Great segue. yeah, perfect. I actually started reading a new book and I'm almost done with it, but do you remember the inheritance books? So, like, Aragon and Brissinger, books like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Christopher Paolini, who's the author, released a, a new book in that world that takes place kind of afterwards. And it's just some filler stories. It's not really anything of substantial value other than here's some extra stories of, like, things that are happening in the world after that series ends. Hmm. And so it's just three short stories, really choppy, a lot of holes in the stories. It's just, I don't know. It's almost like he took his notes for things that happened afterwards and put them into some stories. Yeah. And then his sister, Angela, who was the inspiration for the witch character, Mm -hmm. she wrote a story from the witch's perspective that's in there too. So it's called The Fork, The Witch, and The Worm. And it's basically just three short stories about a fork, a witch, and a worm. So... That sounds awesome. It's kind of cool. It's super easy to read because he writes stuff for like middle schoolers, you know? So I've just been crushing through it pretty easily. Do you have it? It's like a physical thing? Yeah. Yeah, it's in my room right now. So pretty good. I really like that series. I know that Paulini stole from a lot of different fantasy authors, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I think he puts a decent twist on it and like even when I used to try to write stories and books he definitely influenced my stuff a lot. So I always appreciate reading his stuff when it comes out every ten years, it seems like. <laughs> and then the other thing that I've been taking in is just a ton of podcasts. I think I've listened to almost two hundred episodes in the last two weeks. Wow. So like I've just been crushing him. Which is actually something that, that I stole from Gomer too. Cause do you remember when we had him on he was talking about how he never listens to anything at normal speed anymore? Yeah, yeah I totally stole that. So I've been listening to everything at double speed while I'm at work. Is it a game changer. It is. Which you would think that the retention rate of like what they're talking about is just lost when it's that fast. But I think you got to know your show. Yeah, no, I mean
1: he talks about I've heard him talk about this on Catching Fox oh, and really? like let's do it at double speed and he's like and you'd be surprised like it's it's no different. I mean it's yeah. just quicker.
0: And if you're if you're someone who's used to listen to podcasts a lot or used to a, a show so I don't know. I think it's easier if you know the voices and you can kind of recognize what what they're talking about but then also different shows talk at different speeds Mm -hmm. and different hosts talk at different speeds so like when you and I are on and I'm listening to our stuff it's really easy to go double speed because you and I talk pretty slow right but then if Steve's on maybe I'll slow it down to like one and a half because he talks faster than we do but yeah it's just kind of really knowing your show So yeah, I've been listening to us. I've been listening to a lot of Dungeons and Dragons podcasts, Bishop Barron, Father Mike Schmitz, Catching Foxes, Catholic Stuff You Should Know, and I just started listening today to Clerically Speaking, which I'm sure a lot of people that listen to us, listen to them too. They're really, really big now. Yeah. Just started back in like August, I think, but they're one of the biggest Catholic podcasts already, so.
1: Is it good? It is good. Because I've been wanting to check it out, but I did. not I just haven't yet.
0: Yeah, so like I said, I just started today, so I'm only, I think, like four or five episodes in so far. Um, but yeah, it's hour of discussion base. They only have uh, priests on. Yeah. Like no other hosts, mm-hmm. but, uh, guest hosts. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, they have, I'm sure you've heard about this, but they're Summa Tweetologica, which is where they just go through tweets that they think are cool. And talk about why they like them or disagree with them. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of cool insight into what it's like to be a priest. And yeah. So that's kind of cool stuff. So far. Nice. That's what I got. Okay. And then the last thing that I watched, which was yesterday.
1: So I came in originally wanting to record about that book. Which is why I've been reading it. And I was like, alright, gotta finish it. But then me and lizzie took yesterday like super easy yeah because when we were leaving the camp from the retreat this weekend (laughs) she had a flat tire and she also has like i don't know if you guys know what wheel locks are but like the lug nuts that hold the wheel in that you take out one of them needs a special key to unlock um people put that in usually to keep their cars from wheels being like taken you need like the key you hold on to and then put that part
0: part of the so that's what okay i was trying to understand like yeah. what you were describing i was just like what on her tire is locked the I, wheel i thought you were talking about she got a boot but i'm like how did someone put a boot on at the camp while she's at camp that doesn't make any sense gordon but whatever
1: <laughs> uh and so Clearly, we jacked it, it up we did everything we could to see if we can get it off it's it's from a used dealership so whoever owned it previously put those on and she never got the key so she doesn't have that so we left it there we figured out like how her kids get home because she drove some of the kids there and it all worked out and then i drove back with her yesterday first thing in the morning with kevin's like tire pump went to the store to buy all the tools to like makeshift get it off because i looked up videos you can just hammer stuff in that you can like make it work um, and then I got inside tire tire sealant. So we got there, we sealed it first from the inside, filled it up, drove it around a bit, see if it like was leaking, if it was sealed, and it was good. So we took it to a tire place, replaced the tire, and that took like to like three o'clock yesterday,
0: from like eight a.m. to three o'clock, because we had to drive all the way to Forest Glen and back. So I'm trying to envision this. Did you just like bring a big hammer and just pound this? No, we bolt didn't off? have to do anything oh. because we we patched it. Oh, gotcha. That gotcha. was just the backup plan.
1: And then we drove it to a, a tire shop and we're like, one, can you just see if there's still a leak? And two, can you get all the tire locks off of every tire? And they're like, sure. So <laughs> uh, there was not a still a leak, but the tire was, there was like real big tears. So they had to replace a tire and then they took off the tire locks for no
0: cost. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you said hammer, I was like imagining like Lizzie just pounding this tire, like you get like a socket, ass. you know,
1: socket wrenches. Yeah. You get one of those that barely fits over the lug nut. Yeah. That's a lock. You hammer that on because it's not going to, it barely fits. So it's not like, it doesn't, it's okay. not like a perfect fit. It's, it's just, just under and you hammer sure. that on and then you just like torque wrench it off. Oh. Uh, socket. Huh. And that's literally what they did at the tire shop. When we took it and they're like, can you take this off? They brought out this cart with a bucket on it that said wheel locks. <laughs> <laughs> and then they got they had so all these tools to <laughs> that just like they're used to and they hammered it on, oh, torqued it off. And I was like, I knew it. So, so all of that that is a long story to say that after we fixed her tire, hmm. we took the rest of the evening off. And so we went and got dinner and then we went and watched a movie that just came out, I think maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, but... Mm-hmm. It is Jordan Peele's second movie, get not Get Out. I almost said his first movie. It was Jordan Peele's second movie called Us. Right, his first movie was Get Out, and so it's the second debut since then. He's, it was good. It's not a sequel. Though. It's not a sequel. Okay. Just a separate, so. separate movie, same genre, like thriller. Uh, like sort of scary, but not like. He really loves. He's he's going to be the host of the new reboot of the Twilight Zone.
0: Yeah, that's what I heard, yeah.
1: Which I love The Twilight Zone. And so... Of course. You can tell that he enjoys The Twilight Zone, too, because that's like his movies, where they're like eerie and creepy, and at the end, you're like, there's this complete twist, and you're just like, oh, okay. So Mm -hmm. I thought Get Out was phenomenal. I think it was just a Twilight Zone or like a Black Mirror episode that was a movie. Mm -hmm. And then this one was also really good. Me and Lizzie talked about it for a while, so... Yeah, so that's what we we're gonna talk about because I watched it and I was like, "How can I do this? I don't know, but we'll we'll try." So, cool. kind of to start, I want to talk about some. I want to put you on the spot as usual. Fantastic, let's go. I don't want to talk about like who are we and like where. Like, I mean, this is. I feel like it's self-explanatory. Who are we as people? Okay, and who is our person? So, who is Clint versus who is me? Does that okay. make sense? And then where did we like come from?
0: Wow. Okay. So I want to preface this with the fact that I literally just woke up when we started this show because I had a migraine today. So I took a nap and woke up to Gordon trying to get into my apartment complex. So this is my tired answer. So that was three questions, right? So who, yeah. who are we? Yeah. What, what is like the essence of. Our individuality. Yes. And the third one was, where do we come from? hmm Right? Okay. So, let me see what I can do. Okay, so who, who, are, we who as, are we as people? Right? As, as humans? Versus what? I don't know. Just, like, who are we? Like, us. You and I. Versus who are we as, like, a greater we.
1: Right. So... The greater greater
0: us. Okay. Yeah. So trying to think. uh, First thoughts. We are body soul composites. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think to really understand who we are, we also need to understand the third question of where we came from. That's really the whole point of theology of the body. I'm going to try and be fancy here and I'm probably going to mess it up. But our teleology or our purpose helps us understand who we are, right? And so that's the whole point of theology the about when we better understand what is our body, what is its purpose, like what was it made for, uh, and how does that interact with our, our soul, mm-hmm. and how does that understand help us understand who we are? So I would say that there's a lot of different kind of criteria to that, but our, our base is we are body-soul composites made by God and for God, which if God is love like we believe him to be we are made from love for love right and without breaking down into like gender compatibilities and stuff like that i think that's probably the the broadest definition i give for for like general humanity so who we are is an extension coming from love to love yeah so we are All right, so we have God is love, right? Right. This is great because I've been talking about Theology of the Body all week. Yeah, 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 So God is a trinity, right? So we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit, okay? And so we are made in the image and likeness of God. And so if we're made in His image, that means we're made to reflect Him. Okay. Right? And so we see that through the way that we are also made for community, Right? So if the Trinity is a community of persons, Father Son, Holy Spirit, and we know that we as humans are made for community, right? and we see that in the fact that we want to be in relationships, that we want friendships, that we want to be known by others, right? But then we also see it through romantic relationships, through what well, we have the father who's perfectly loving the son, the son who's perfectly receiving that love. And the Holy Spirit, which is the love itself. And so we see that same thing where within a marital relationship, we have the husband who's giving of himself, right? Physically and spiritually and emotionally. And a woman who receives that gift of the man and turns it into a third person, Mm -hmm. right? In the same way that the, the Trinity does. Right. Okay. And so in that way, we image that, right? But... We're also made in his likeness. Yeah. Right? So, that means we are to be like him, literally. And so, if he is God, I'm saying he is like the the person of God. Yeah. Right? If God is love and we are to be like him, right, then that means we also need to reflect that as well. Yeah. So, looking at that, we are basically... The reason why God would create us, because he doesn't need us, obviously, right? Because he's God. The reason why he would create us is out of love, out of a desire to share, right? And so because God is love itself and love perfected, love is always giving. And so it always overflows, right? And so he created us out of a desire to to continue to love, right? And so we are made from love, but we're also made to return to God, right? right? And so that's what I meant by we're made for love because we're made to return to him right. and to, to become more like him that's a really long answer but hopefully it makes sense Lizzie's f-
1: priest texted her randomly yesterday morning and said that love is the agent between being and becoming
0: between being and becoming
1: he said the same thing about the soul and it kind of sounds like what you're talking about as far as like being love becoming I think the becoming part comes maybe maybe this falls into my next question Hmm. what are we post the fall
0: what are we post the fall yeah so
1: like who are we how do
0: we differ yeah okay so I would say that as far as and this could be wrong theologically so if someone knows call me out But I would say we're essentially, like, our essence is the same, right? So who we are has not changed, but we are distorted in a way. Okay. So we're still made from God. We're Mm -hmm. still made for God. That Mm -hmm. has not changed. We're still a body-soul composite. We still have bodies and souls. The, The disconnect, and I actually, I was trying to teach this a little bit today to some Middle schoolers, with that magic trick that we talked about last summer, you know the rubber band one. Yeah. Right. And so, if we look at that magic trick, so it's basically the magic trick where you have two rubber bands and you're trying to pull the one through the other.
1: Yeah, they're on your finger and pointer finger. Yeah. You stretch it, and they're interlocked, so they're 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 stuck. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so, basically, I was trying to show that one of these represents our body, one of these represents our soul, and when we're created, they're like when they're locked together where they're not, they don't separate. They're working in unison, but because of the fall and then I did the magic trick. Now they're separated. Now they're going in different directions. And so we have this disconnect between our body and soul and what they desire and what they're doing. Um, And so that's where the disconnect comes in. So we still have this desire to be with God. We still have this ultimate draw. And that's why our show works because that still exists. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, But the disconnect is, this this doubt that came in through original sin, right? Because original sin is not necessarily eating a fruit. The original sin is not trusting God, like this doubt. Believing that, a lie. Yeah, and so that's where we start having doubt come into the world, and so we see that kind of overflowing into this too. I think. Okay,
1: I ask because you know I think another thing that's like thrown around a bunch is we are you know we are human and like or or you know, when Jesus wept, it's like, well, that was Jesus being, you know, showing his humanity. Mm -hmm. And I think, is it that our bodies, as a part of like body and soul composite, after the fall, our bodies are like a part of this brokenness? Does that make sense? Because it's like, that's more of the earthly aspect of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think there's an element to that, but I also think that when we're talking about Jesus in his humanity, we're always talking about ways that he relates to us. To us yeah. So like the gods of the time for for the other cultures. Well, I guess that's not entirely true. I was going to say that they don't show emotions, but you look at the Greeks and the Romans and you see a lot of emotions there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's very different. But it, I would say the God of the Old Testament, no, not even then. <laughs> yeah, you can cut that out because that's completely wrong (laughs) but when we focus on emotions i think that's where people will start to relate to him more right right because jesus wept and that that's like for a lot of people that's the most powerful verse in the whole bible even though it's only two words yeah you know just because it helps relate um i think that's one thing that people really like about mary and the saints too is that they're just more attainable and relatable, it seems like. Right. uh, Because it's harder to relate to the divine. So when the Gospels stress different aspects of Christ that we can relate to, I think that's more of what they're talking about. Because I I wouldn't say that, and I don't think this is what you're saying, but Jesus wept, weeping is not a broken thing. Weeping is a good thing, right? Thomas Aquinas even says, like, crying is good, Mm -hmm. right? He puts that right along with drinking alcohol and taking a bath and reading yeah. books as far or as the like.
1: Catholic church and like the teaching on sex. Like yeah. it's not a evil. That's what we were talking about today. It's not an evil thing. Yeah. Like, it is a beautiful, good thing.
0: Yeah. So I, I think we kind of hit, hit on this with, Oh, what was the one with Will Smith that we did together? Oh, collateral beauty, collateral beauty. Yeah. So I think we hit on this a little bit that the world that we live in has become distorted. Yeah. And, it's always going to be distorted because something was put in motion where like the world is no longer the way it was created for and so we live in this world that's already has brokenness and so that brokenness leads to more brokenness so i think to a certain extent e- yes we we are broken i think that does uh, cross over too because i mean when you live in a world that is full of broken things and broken people broken things happen perfect so let's
1: dive in hopefully this will connect and make sense i love that you used the word like disconnect and you just said another one but yeah hopefully this tie in if it doesn't this was a good discussion cool but yeah the start of this movie and just so you guys know i'm not gonna spoil it i will talk a lot about the theme so i mean just so you know, if you want to see the movie, just wait. But I'm not going to spoil anything, hopefully. I'm just going to talk about like the general idea of the movie, which I we sort of see from the previews. So it starts with a little girl who's at a carnival, like one on the pier, you know, on a beach, Yeah. with her family. She has a mom and a dad. And you can tell it's like a broken family. The dad's kind of like drinking and not really caring. And eventually she wanders off. And she finds like on the beach side, this like mirror maze in like it's like shaman mirror maze and then has a neon lights with an arrow pointing in the door it says find yourself Hmm. so she walks inside it's kind of spooky she sees like a whole bunch of mirrors and starts whistling to like calm herself down and then she hears someone else start whistling and eventually she sees she turns around to a mirror that showed the back of her head but when she turns around it doesn't turn around and then it turns around and she's looking like straight at herself, but like she watched it turn around and that's like the intro to the movie. And then it just like pans over, has like the full intro scene, creepy music, and then it starts with an- another family, the dad, a mom, and two kids. And you can quickly assume that the mom was this little girl. Oh, okay. So it like flashes forward. Gotcha. And they just bought a house not that far away from this beach and ultimately just to get through what the movie's about within like the next day or two within the same day i don't remember how long it is identical versions of the entire family shows up the house the dad the mom and the two kids a girl and a boy oh nice okay and they talk about how like there's like this big monologue and essentially they're trying to kill them all Hmm. and then you quickly learn that there's identical versions of everyone in the world and like Because they finally like turn on the news and they see it and they're like, yeah, this is everyone, and they're all trying to kill their own like
0: earthly version of Hmm. like whatever they're a copy of. Does it say where the clones are from? Or Uh, when the
1: news turned on, they said they they just they realized they're coming from the sewers. Oh, okay. And the movie starts with these words of like, there's a ton of underground like railway and like subway. Units in that are just completely abandoned in the u.s. Okay, some now that are still lying there completely like It's useless Huh. and they just open that and then they start the movie. Wow. Okay, and Yeah, like that's essentially the movie It's like figuring out like okay What's happening? How do we, how do we survive this? How do we beat this thing? and This will be like the one minor spoiler if you just want to know You come to find out that like it was a failed experiment from like the 80s when she was a a kid or like the 70s where they tried to create these duplicates of people and then tether them to their their duplicate on earth. So they're living underground in these sewers and they were tethered to that person. So the person on top, when they moved, the person below moved and like all this stuff, but the person below in essence is just body, no soul tethered to this person that's body and soul. Interesting. And the movies them like they 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 finally figured figured this out because the little girl saw the other little girl and they saw each other and they started a revolt like twenty years later and they just want to kill their copy and take over so that's the movie honestly didn't still still don't spoil anything there's still like tons that doesn't explain yeah. and it's still there
0: um, oh wow okay
1: but I got this idea of watching it of just like two versions of ourselves yeah right. Yeah. The the opposites and like darkness and light and like sin and corruption or whatever. And it's like that sometimes like our opposite version version of ourselves, our bad version of ourselves or whatever, the one that's hidden underground, like wants to come after us. Hmm. Doesn't want to like live through us, but wants to totally be a part of us. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And I think, I guess the first thing that kind of came to my mind as well is this kind of portrays what happens when we try to separate our body and soul Mm. or see ourselves as one or the other, which is a pretty common spiritual thought nowadays. Yeah. Right. That we are soul trapped in our bodies and our bodies are not us. Yeah. Right. And that's super dangerous, super dangerous to, to believe that. Right. Because when we do that, we start to see our bodies as disposable, as things that we can do whatever we want to, right? And it's kind of a slippery slope when we do that, right? Because morality is almost gone when you do that. Because mm-hmm. if it's just a thing, if your body's just a thing, then I should be able to do essentially whatever I want with that thing, right? And so. Yeah, we kind of just lose track of morality. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that. But that was the first thing that came to my mind, too, especially when um, you said when she went into the mirrors, the advertising was discover yourself, right? Find, <clears throat> find yourself. Find yourself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so find yourself is, I don't know, it's also kind of a right uh, neo-spiritual um That was definitely what he was doing topic. there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, find yourself, and it's really just this fake image, which is ironic because it, it's in a a mirror, right? Yeah, well, it's like looking it's inward. Hall mirrors. Yeah, it's a mirror it's a, maze, It's a hall of mirrors, mm-hmm. right? And so all you're seeing is this reflection of who you really are rather than like not who you are itself, but just like this small aspect. And that's all you're kind of seeing because you're looking at the mirror, mm-hmm. right? So rather than focus on the person as a whole, which is like what we were talking about before with the theology of the body and the body soul composite working together. If you're not looking at yourself through that lens, then you're missing something. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important that John Paul second, kind of compiled this, this theology. And I mean, the stuff that he put together, it, a lot of it wasn't even new stuff. He just compiled it in a way that no one had ever done before. Right. Yeah. So I think it's really important to look at that because, like I said, if we're going to understand who we are, we have to look at, where we come from and why.
1: Yeah, so we talked about this on the retreat and we talked about this tonight when like, you know, at at the rise of like the sexual revolution Mm, mm -hmm. is when like JP2 wrote this and it was such a big deal. And so we asked the kids tonight, like, what's the opposite of love? And someone said like, well, in a sort of sense, you can say the opposite of love is, because obviously the obvious answer was hate, but they said in a sort of sense, you can say the opposite of love is selfishness. And so like, there is an aspect to looking inward. Especially like meditative prayer and like that and like but when you're like finding yourself like the whole This was something I was said on the retreat the whole you do you thing <laughs> But with God's plan for our lives, it's not like you do you and like me me me. It's like no like forget about the you Because what I have in plan for you is far greater and like Jonathan Alexander told the story of like Arnold Palmer who, like, when he's playing golf, have you heard this? Uh, no. I was just thinking about sweet tea and lemonade. <laughs> so when he's playing golf, he he was, like, brought in, I think, I don't know what country, but well, the king wanted to play on the court, and so they played, and it was great. And then the king, like, afterwards, like, do you want, like, what do you want? I want to gift you something. And he's like, no, you don't need to. And he's like, no, let me gift you something. And he gave him, he's like, okay, I just, I'll just i take a club. And he's like, okay. Um, and so he moved back, home to florida and found out that this king had bought him an entire 18 hole golf course club country club and he's like i just wanted a golf club and like this is the idea of like what when we ask for something we're like we're not even thinking in the realm of like what god has in store for us right so like when the whole you do you and like oh, the wow. selfishness of yeah. thinking what we know what we want and we don't we have to like lose forget all that mm-hmm. i kind of saw that that message a little bit in
0: this movie too
1: or, like, what you're talking about, like, defining yourself and, like, where TOB
0: stemmed from right? came out of that idea. Hmm. Did you I have something? I thought so, but I couldn't piece it together in my mind. So okay. So, we'll come back to it if I think of something. So,
1: on the other aspect of this with, like, two people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: one line that I loved in the movie is a scene where she was a little girl again because they were, like, talking her and her identical self as adults. But they're talking and about, like, what's happening. She's explaining the whole thing, which I won't explain, but... There's a scene where as a girl she's doing ballet up top and the one below is doing ballet in the subway system. Hmm. Because they're, they're tethered. They're doing ballet. And so she's talking about like this. It was like after that she got this idea when she saw her and met her to like revolt. She's the one that like started it. And she was like, I gotta thank you. Because if you didn't teach me how to dance, I wouldn't have been able to do this. And it made me think like Our sinfulness, or Satan, or our bad habits, if you want to think about it as a habit, like, studies ourselves. Like, it looks at us, and it, it learns from us, and it adapts. So, like, she was like, when you danced, I danced, and I learned this movement of you, and I learned about, like, your life, and it helped me to, like, make it up top and corrupt everything without, like, studying you all my life, I wouldn't be able to do this. So... And the whole reason they're doing this is to untether themselves. Mm, which is, okay. like, they they don't like that the other person's in control.
0: Okay. This is really interesting. There's there's a saying in Latin, I'm probably going to botch it, but it's uh, Corruptio Optimi Pessima Est. And it means um, the corruption of the best things is the worst things or are the worst things. That's kind of what I was thinking about when you were talking about that, because it's, it seems important to me that the thing that kind of triggered this was dance. I was actually just listening to our season of dance episode. Oh, that episode. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And so we talked about the beauty of dance and the beauty of how that reflects the masculine and feminine genius mm-hmm. and how they work together. Mm hmm. So I think this ties in really well because we see that this is something that's very beautiful, something that's very powerful, something that's very good, but it's being used or corrupted uh, for something that's very evil. Right. Uh, And so kind of my my thoughts with this, when we look towards uh, our sexuality, I would say that is one of the top issues that non-Catholics have with, well, actually, and Catholics, have with Catholic morality, right? All of the major issues that are always debated, almost all of them have to do with sexuality. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, I think this makes sense, this, this Latin phrase, because that is the greatest gift, other than our life itself, that God gave us. Why? Because it's the very act that reflects and images Him. Right and foreshadows heaven and God's creative power, and it's the only like act that does that. Right, and so the corruption of that, like all these uh, sexual immoralities, are like these these great corruptions because they're something they corruption of something that is so good to begin with. Right, and I think that's something that is misunderstood a lot in the Catholic Church is that the Catholic Church doesn't view. Like, sex is, is bad, right? There's, who was it? Uh, I want to say it's like Matt Fratt or someone says. Uh, the problem with pornography is not that it shows too much. It's that it shows too little of the of person. Of love. Of love.
1: I think that's what I was talking about. Or of
0: a person? Yeah, of of a person. Okay. I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 So, because it shows the person, obviously, naked, but... What this quote is saying is that there's more to a person than their body, which is what we were just talking about. There's more to a person than just this husk mm-hmm. for for your use. There's a person with dignity, with a right. soul, with a will and a mind that's worthy of being valued. right? And so what this quote is saying is that this is a corruption, a distortion of something that is very, very good, uh, a, a person... That is being reduced to something that is very minimal or
1: right or bad. right right I'm gonna switch gears real quick, yeah, okay, and to another topic I really wanted to touch on that was probably one of my favorites from this movie, and it's like this idea of like doing something doing something that's wrong, but like evil versus like circumstance, and so you see at one part of this movie you 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 learn some of the characters up top and down below and you'll learn that there's actually two people that have swapped spots okay and the one that came from like the privilege above to the one part to the world below which like all they eat on is like rabbits and they get to do these things but they don't and so the monologue when you first meet them she's like there's once upon a time this little girl and this little girl had a shadow and while the little girl got to eat warm food, the shadow got cold food and, and rabbits. And while the little girl got to play with cool toys, the shadow's toys were sharp and cut through her fingers. And the little girl met her husband. And the shadow didn't get to choose the husband. It just happened. And then the little girl had her first kid. And it was a girl and it was, it was lovely. And the shadow had a monster. And the little girl... second kid and like this idea of like this parallel Hmm. and i think and this is big because it's come come up like in our ministry of just like sometimes the way people act are not because they're choosing to do something wrong to like literally don't know better or because like of what they've grown up in or like where they're placed it's just this is like the culture
0: Hmm. does that make sense yeah, I think we see that a lot, especially with the breakdown of the family mm-hmm. structure. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, if if someone has a kid and doesn't know what is good or that they're raised in a really bad circumstance, chances are, and this isn't just a, a theological thing, this is just this a is, human this thing. This is just a thing, right? Right. Uh, where we pass on what we know to our children. Uh, as parents... Parents are the primary educators because parents are the ones that the children see all the time, right? Hopefully. Right. And so they're the ones that they're learning from the, that's where you learn to speak. That's where you learn your moral values, how to behave your mannerisms, like all those things come from your parents. Right. Right. And so with the breakdown of the family and oftentimes nowadays a lack of Communication amongst the family and lack of moral upbringing. Sometimes we see that this is happening more and more. Right. Totally. And yeah, I mean, a lot of that is the only way you can break the cycle is to educate yourself beyond your means.
1: So this is the problem we've been having or I've been having. And then a few other people in this ministry, like we've wrestling with like, so we do discipleship mm-hmm. you know, with kids one-on-one. And there are some teens that we know that like go home and like their, their parents are like drinking or there's alcohol just available in the room or like they'll be picked up from youth group and they're, whoever's picking it up is like drunk and then they have to drive home and they have no license. And it's like, how can I tell them about virtue and about these things and challenge them to change what they're doing if when they go home, and when they go back in their regular life, they're just surrounded by they're like, "Well, this is just my world mm-hmm. does that make sense, yeah, and so, like what you said is good, like it's you know we have to make that, but like how how are they gonna ever know to make that decision?
0: Yeah, I think it makes it obviously a lot harder um I think the simplest way is to be that light in the darkness, yeah. right, which seems cliche, but if we're being honest. Um. even for myself, like growing up, there's a lot of things that I dis- disagree with, with my family, as far as morally. And for me, there's a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but certain people growing up who I look to as kind of this light. And because of that, it, it gives kind of a hope that there's something beyond what you, you know. And so even if you as a, a minister or It's just some random person. If you can be that light consistently to the point where you can convey the hope of Christ to them, then I don't know. And that's just at a base level. I mean, there's other ways that you can kind of guide or help support them. But at the base level, if you can be that light and show them what you are going through is not what you were made for, then... I think a lot of times that gives hope that there's something beyond.
1: Yeah, it's just walking with them. Yeah, I mean it's it's being the light, but it's also just like providing a like a, a light that can be carried too. So like mm-hmm. just going with them in this journey. Yeah, I think it's just hard sometimes
0: when you see it. Oh yeah, and you're just like, oh. yeah. And it's it's so sad because also no matter what you do as a youth minister, the parents will always have more influence than you. Yeah. Right. And so unfortunately, if there is a broken family or parents who uh, are alcoholic or, or whatever the situation is, they will always have more influence than whatever you do for better or for worse, you know? And so that's why also I think a lot of our ministry as youth ministers isn't just ministering to the teens. But ministering to the families as a whole. Oh, totally. Yeah, and so it's really important that we reach out and like we help the parents, right? Because that's essentially what our job is as as youth ministers. It's to to assist the parents right. in raising the children.
1: Chris always has this like kind of mantra. It's like if if parents did what they were supposed to, if our parents did things right, then we would be
0: out of a job. <laughs> to a certain extent, yeah.
1: Well. I and mean, we we yeah we we know that's like not necessarily the case cuz we'd still be like a pastoral
0: right type of and, and i think tool i i think that's like the ideal right yeah, but totally. i think i think it's like an unrealistic ideal um because of how difficult parenting is like mm-hmm. obviously neither of us have kids right i do not have a kid <sighs> great me either or more than one kid <laughs> so um maybe we're not the best to be breaking this down, but no, we're not bashing on any parents by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're not saying like anyone's doing
1: like, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I just think parenting obviously is very difficult. Right. And especially now that families are being more broken. I think it's being made even more difficult to, to raise without going through these situations. Right. But then also we specialize. Our job is to know theology and to know what are the best ways to do this. Whereas parents, uh, I mean, most likely most of the parents that we're working with, they never studied theology. They don't know, like, what are the best ways to raise children in the faith, right? And so having this outside source is, is always helpful. And also, I mean, there's the saying, like, it takes a village to raise a kid, right? Because think back to when we were in high school and middle school my parents told me something I wanted to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Right. And so having these outside voices, I think is really important too. That's
1: true. As a last small theme, there was like a really interesting theme of like privilege. And in the sense of those two characters that you realized later on had swapped places, the one that, was above ground now, had completely forgotten that he was the tethered body.
0: Can I ask you a question off of that? Yeah. Does she have control over the other person now? Which one? Does the the shadow that came to the, the top, does she have control over the main person who's now in the bottom? Have the roles kind of switched? It sounds like she would have to or they've become untethered one of the two well he he
1: because I'll I'd have to see it again, okay honestly that's a good question I, I think that's a really the only time you actually see them their, their tetheredness is it replays the scene of her as a girl, and it shows like the whole carnival and then like the hallways of the subway and like people like miming like they're riding a roller coaster and stuff like everyone because mm. she's like the girl is walking through the carnival and the girls below is walking to the carnival and shows how they meet. And then the other part is the son realizes he can control like his copy right away. So he like walks backwards and the other one walks backwards and he notices like he's miming it and he uses that to his advantage throughout the movie. We don't see it a ton otherwise. And I think it's because of this like awareness of the tethered, Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, I think the boy, his identical is a little off because he like he burnt himself. And so he always wore a mask. And so I think he was a little more like animalistic than the rest. That's another thing about the movie. I just forgot about like the the copies don't speak really. The one did, but they just use audible sounds. So Hmm. they only speak in like grunts or in like moans, just like an animal.
0: I think this is interesting because, if if that is the case, where the the shadow who's now on top is in control, we see kind of this um, this allowance of this I don't know this false self to kind of take control of the real self, um, and I think that's what happens a lot when we um, when we revert to these animalistic natures and to kind of make that the forefront of our identity. yeah so that's just a side note but yeah
1: no and the only other thing was like the person that came from the world and then fell you saw they just adapted they like because of the circumstance of what it was like below eating this like they became totally corrupt and indistinguishable between any other tethered person mm. and i think like that goes back to circumstance and just anything else just like it can there is this balance of like knowing where you are now but also knowing where you came from like if you've improved yeah but also if you've like if like circumstances gotten worse for you like remembering how good it has been and like or how other people have it because the other thing is like the one that forgot where she came from knew or he sorry the one that forgot where he came from knew that like the other people, the other tethered were st- still suffering, or the one that like fell in knew there was other people probably above ground. Like, like by the time the revolt happened, he was he was in on it too.
0: Hmm. This is interesting. Yeah. So did you have one last theme before I cut you off? That was it. That was it. Like okay. like
1: the theme of privilege and like switching and like how we can adapt to a new circumstance, circumstance yeah. and forget the old. Hmm. That was like a really interesting.
0: Like, that I loved, that was like really interesting.
1: I don't know how that really correlates into like the Christ and culture thing, but I was like wanted to bring that up.
0: Well, I think it does correlate into morality in the way that
1: if we do something we, long enough,
0: we become who we're surrounded with. Or yeah, if we do something long enough, it, we start to take that on as the norm. Because that's true. Humans are people of, of habits, right? And so we are. Affected by the habits that we do, right? So if we do, repeatedly do good habits, those are virtues. If we repeatedly do bad habits, those become vices, right? And so we have habits of, of everything, right? That's why, like, we have this internal clock, right? We have this habit of waking up at the same time every day. Well, now we don't even need a clock anymore. We just wake up, you know? So our bodies adapt too, to the things that we become accustomed to and so if we become accustomed to a certain sin or darkness then that becomes the norm for us and i think that's the same with who we surround ourselves with it's kind of like the uh eskimo wolf trap that we've talked about on here before yeah yeah where we kind of just become numb to what's happening to us Mm
1: -hmm. cool well then as like a sort of challenge Really I just based off what we're talking about like the 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 two the two persons the parts of the body the Like changing our habits based on if we're doing something wrong or right like long enough like just sort of doing an examine this week Mm -hmm. but Not a daily examine. So not like one where you're examining your day. I want you to like do it just one time this week sit down do find a normal examine and do it the way it does but kind of like do it with your life so you don't have to go moment by moment but just like the what you what you deem important moments of your life so from like childhood what was good and bad influences hmm. and or or how do you in, in your childhood how do you see how did that affect you like i you only remember a bad childhood well, where was god
0: okay so kind of like finding a Highlight reel and blooper reel of your life. Exactly. And
1: Seeing where you've come from and and then also seeing maybe what you've lost along the way Mm. Uh, because both are going to happen and Maybe make one change after that just one small adjustment Whether it's like You know, like Clint said earlier like he's just changing like some health habits Just like one small thing like I'm gonna go to bed Um, even if it's a minute earlier Hmm. And i'm just gonna make that a goal and I go to commit to it but commit to it. Yeah Yeah. Uh, Whatever you think he needs or like i'm just gonna call a friend because there was this friend in high school And I just now that I was thinking about it We were he like made me a better person and I haven't talked to him or her and so like reaching out whatever it is you may come up with it, but just Do a blooper and highlight reel of your life real quick And then from that pick one thing to just kind of focus on this week.
0: Cool. I like that. Yeah uh shout outs. Well, I already said a few
1: David from the retreat. He doesn't mm-hmm. listen to this podcast. Maybe he'll one day, I don't know. But he just he made the retreat for me. Yeah, I think that's it.
0: Cool. I have a couple. I want to give another shout out to Monica Hollingsh- Hollingshed Yes Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I Hollingshed. Hollingshed. I hope I'm saying it right. I don't yeah. know. But Monica, you've just been crushing like every episode we've been putting out. So true. thank you so much. Uh we appreciate you going through and I hope you're you're enjoying it still. Um, and then a couple other ones. Cherry Salah, I think, is her name. Cool. So she's been listening to quite a few. And then I think you gave a shout-out last week to our new patron, Kenzie Ellsburn. Mm-hmm. But he's a good friend of mine. So I want to give a shout-out to Kenzie. Thank you so much for supporting, not just financially, but like he's been a huge support from the very beginning. So thanks, Kenzie. Um, and, yeah, looking forward to doing your special episode for you. So yeah, that'll be fun. Um, If you guys are interested in helping support us as well, and well, we have right now we're recording live video for all of our episodes. So if you want access to that and a whole lot of other content and stuff like that, as well as if you're one of the first five patrons, your own episode. If you want access to that kind of stuff, um, check out our Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com backslash the Christ in culture and you can support us there Um, yeah depending on what tier you join you'll be getting different gifts back from us including bonus content and access to uh, different things like that Yeah, we also have some some merch and stuff that we're working on sending out too so depending on what level you might get some of that merch too totally Uh, also on top of that feel free to check out our website, com. We've been putting more blog posts on there recently, so go check those out. There's like uh, six now, maybe? Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. Gordon's put uh-huh. one out. Casey, our seminarian, just put one out, and I think Gordon and I have been working on a big group of some that should be coming out hopefully yeah, yeah. soon. So keep looking out for those. There's a lot of good stuff coming. Anything else that I'm missing? Oh, follow us on Twitter at on the adventure and on facebook just the christian culture i think that's it yeah so with that thank you guys for joining us on the adventure don't forget to subscribe to whatever you were listening to us on and please leave us a review so more people can find us because your one click of a button or a short review can help us reach tens twenties hundreds of new people so please help us do that Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, and have a good week, guys. Enjoy the adventure. If only you could see their faces. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real priceless
1: part. Funny part is, I imagine if we weren't recording, we'd we'd all be like chatting it up and talking, and they just don't they don't want to say a word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shut someone up. Set up a podcast. <laughs>
0: In on them by accident. Oh, it's all good. Stuff happens.